0: This hour brought to you by GCNLife.com. Live younger, look younger, feel younger at GCNLife.com.
1: Hi, it's Asa. I'm giving you a copy of my best-selling book for free to help you in your health journey today. I'll pay for the book Well, this is your health is is more important than just surviving in the lost. For those on pounds, your health and lifestyle coach, and this is Healthy Talk Radio. From heart disease, aches and pains, to even your basic cough and sneeze, this is Talk Radio that's empowering your health. Thanks for joining us. Phone lines are open, 888-283-7272. That's 888-283-7272. Or you
2: can always send me an email. It's a new prescription for a new you, America. Your health really is your greatest wealth. What are you doing now? What kind of new goals have you set for your health? It's so important, you know, because at the end of the day, our health is the most important thing we have because we need it. We need it to be a good husband and father and wife, mother, and be able to be active in our roles in society and life. And there's things that happen to us, no doubt about it. And we begin to lose our health in different ways. I mean, the aging process is happening every single day. It, it's, it's inevitable. It's a fact of life. But what kind of changes or choices are we making every single day to have optimal health, to kind of have the kind of health that we were designed to have? Because although genetics play a role and there's things that happen and there's genetic conditions that happen, there's a lot of lifestyle. Matter of fact, 80% of the health challenges they say are diet and lifestyle related. That's good news because if it was 80% genetic and 80% you just, these are the cards you're dealt. Think about that. Think about that, you would have no control over anything. And the fact that we can radically change our lifestyle choices, which can radically change everything going on within our lives, that is amazing. If you can change the way you eat, exercise, drop your stress levels, and transform your health in many ways, that's empowering. It's so empowering for all of us. And that's what we want to focus here on this show. So if you haven't set any goals for this year, maybe it's just exercising a couple days a week, or maybe you want to lose 10 pounds. Or maybe you're going to start eating better or stop eating fast food or not smoke anymore. Whatever your goal we want to empower you. We want to equip you and we want to educate you to be able to reach those goals because you can. You can live an extraordinary life. You can live the life that you were designed to have. But you have to be willing to take responsibility for your health and for your life. No one else can do that for you. Only you. And take responsibility, 888 um, 283 If you jump into the social media world, if you haven't, you can do that there, Facebook and Twitter, obviously, jump into that world, we'll keep you updated on everything going on within the show, behind the scenes, and everything around the show, and of course it'll empower you, great information, all kinds of experts will be giving their opinions, and it's just really, really exciting to have that. But now we're going to kick it off with, is it Adian? Can I say your name right? Aiden.
3: Yeah, Aiden. Aiden. Um, okay, Aiden. Okay, my quick question is, uh, is I'm 40 years old. Uh, five years ago, I got electrocuted in some high-tension fire lines. was up there for about okay. 10 minutes in ICU for uh, a week and a half. But um, Wow. So, like, at least twice a week, what do you call it, um, I get these severe cramps. Anywhere from, let's say, imagine from... My middle of my lower back, all the way through my left, uh, butt muscle to my leg. And it, it actually like, it feels like something's pushing me down where I have to bend over. And with all my might, I have to try to stand up straight and it just hurts so bad. Um, I can't walk it off. I can't rub the muscle. Um, I mean, I drink a lot of water, a lot of Gatorade, mess with the potassium peel. Everything that's pretty much uh, Gatorade is made out of, I've, you know, uh, soaked myself with, because that's what other doctors have said. And, um, I mean, whatever I do, it just doesn't seem like it's going away. And I've been looking in those big uh, medical books for conditions. I just I'm hoping it's something simpler than that, you know
1: what I mean, yeah, it is still there? it actually
3: is okay. yeah i what do I do my friend
2: One thing I would definitely look into is if it's going down if it's coming out of your kind of your hip in the lower back and it shoots through the your gluteus max, which is your like you said your butt muscle and it goes down the back side of your leg, does it when yeah. you bend over, does it hurt worse
3: or? uh no. No, um, it, but it, it's like the muscle is contracting so hard that it just pulls me down like a really stretched rubber band. You know what I mean? I, I don't magnesium? know if that's a good example. But, you know, um, you... it's almost like if, if some guy that's stronger than you is pushing your head down between his legs. That, that's how oh, yeah. it feels on my lower back, my butt, and my, my leg muscle. And it only right. happens on that side. It's never happened on my right side. Now, once in a great while, I'll get like a a cramp in my in my hand or something like that. Um, but nothing serious. It's just mainly on my left side. And uh, okay. now I do a lot of stre- well, I don't do as much stretching as I should. You know, because I'm forty. But um, but um. So, anyways, I'm gonna let you talk, sir. <laughs>
2: It's okay. No, I I think a couple things. First of all, whenever you've got any type of tightening of the muscles, which your piriformis muscle is a little muscle in the back of the hip, and there's a huge nerve. matter of fact, it's the largest nerve in the body that goes through a little canal. And the piriformis muscle is, if it contracts and it goes into spasm, it can cause a lot of irritation to that nerve. And if that nerve gets irritated, that nerve runs all the way through your butt, your gluteus maximus and your hip, all the way down through the back of your leg. And it's called sciatic pain or sciatica or sciatic neuritis. And the cramping of the muscle and the tightening, uh, that's why there, it, there's got to be some differentiation between whether it's a muscle or a nerve. It's probably both. And it typically is in that type of situation. And so, really, the physician you should be seeing would be a, a DO, an osteopathic physician, or a chiropractic physician. Either one of those physicians would be great in in that structural care of looking at that. I think that would be a smart move. Uh, Soaking in the water and all that, I mean, that's a great theory. And it it would be good for temporary relief. But it's nothing, I don't think, it's it's not going to touch it, to be honest with you. It's like putting a hot pack on something. It may cut down some irritation for discomfort for a little while, but it's not going to fix it. It's not going to correct it. So that's what I would do. Make a consultation with one of those physicians. Let them do some testing on you and double-check. So kind of like you were saying, there's got to be something a little bit easier. Well, there, there's your game plan right there. Cut down on any type of foods that would create inflammation in the body. Again, you've got an inflammatory response. So by eating things every single day that will create an inflammatory response, that's where the challenge is. And But magnesium works very well. Vitamin B6 In the version of pyridoxine, there's different kinds. There's the pyridoxal 5-phosphate and pyridoxine. The pyridoxine is going to work the best because we're dealing with more of a neuropathy-type pain, and those two are hand-in-hand. Magnesium, because we're deficient in magnesium, we are as a society. We don't get it in our foods very much. Our soil is quite depleted of magnesium. So that right there alone can help tremendously when you're dealing with the cramping within the body. And it's good that you've done the whole Gatorade thing because that's full of sugar. And the sugar creates inflammation in the body, not a good thing as well. So lean more toward the minerals, but the magnesium is probably the key player. But I would, I would see one of the docs. I think that's going to be very helpful to you. And look into some of the nutritional options. And I think you'll you'll find the answers that you're looking for. You're not stuck. Just know there are answers. And you will be able to get the help that you need. Thanks so much for the call.
4: To be part of the show, call 1-888-283-7272. That's 1-888-283-7272. More Healthy Talk Radio next. Find out more, connect with On Call Radio online at InShapeNetwork.com. 37272,
1: that's AAA 283 7272. You're listening to the Best in Healthy Talk
2: Radio, the show where your health really is your greatest wealth. Check us out. You no, know, parenting takes a toll on your health, and I know we always kid about that, joke about that, and me being a parent as well. I can tell you that some of the study has is, is got some truth to it, but USA Today reported that, that as if childbirth and nights spent coddling a crying baby weren't enough, a new study from the University of Minnesota, Minnesota shows that new moms have worse diets and get less exercise than women without children. Mothers had higher body mass indexes with diets higher in calories, sugary drinks, and saturated fats, according to the survey, which was published Monday in the Journal of Pediatrics. The findings came out of a larger ongoing study for which university researchers followed 838 women and 682 men since they were teenagers living around the Twin Cities in the late 1990s. And the differences were not as significant among fathers. The BMI in eating habits of new fathers was the same as those without children. But... They did not spend less time working out. The University of Minnesota assistant professor and researcher, Jerika Burge, who led the study, that mothers are likely to be affected more negatively because they are more commonly the primary caregiver. Many of the mothers surveyed had children younger than one year old. Remaining pregnancy weight could have also played a role. Now, while... That may be true and explain some of the BMI differences between moms and non-moms were the concerns that lie in the dietary patterns that are different than non-mothers. According to the survey, parents are getting an equal share of fruits and vegetables as non-parents, but are also taking additional sugar from drinks that their children sip on and saturated fats like from chicken nuggets. So why would you be feeding your kids chicken nuggets? I mean, really? We still do that? It's It's crazy the results may have also negatively have a negative effect on children they said who are known to take cues from their parents but it's unclear what the extent of that is cues from the parents meaning what kind of examples parents are we setting for our kids the results may also have a negative effect on children who are known to take cues from their parents but the, the reality is in that one note right there it's it's just mind boggling to me we have to set an example that's why i'm reiterating that we have to set an example for our kids, and even though when they're young, they, I mean, obviously, really young, they don't really know a lot of what's going on, but still at the same time, as they get a little bit older, and they are aware, start getting into the two-year-old, you know, they're like little sponges, as we always hear. We always hear talking about our kids being little sponges. Well, it's true. And, you know, kids don't do what we say, they do what we do, and especially at that age, I mean, whatever we we feed them, they're going to eat, but also know they're watching us. Remember, that's the time where... Literally, they're just soaking everything in, and what are they going to soak in from you? See, so that's the question. What kind of life are you living in a leadership role in your home that the kids are going to to model? I mean, it's, it's staggering to me. I was with some, I was with another physician the other day, and just we were working with patients, and it was it was incredible because this lady had been in a place where, I mean, her her child was probably, I mean, a beautiful little boy, probably one and a half, no, probably two. And she was talking about, and he had a, a birth defect in his heart, uh, VSD, uh, in which is basically a little hole in the heart, and it's it's genetic. And she was talking, she was joking, but she was serious. And and we were talking about diet, and she said, well, she said, you know, my baby, I can tell you that my, my little boy was much different than my little girl. And I was like, well, how's that? And she said, well, he really loved, and I don't want to say the, the fast food chain, but he really loved so-and-so fast food, and I, I couldn't believe it. And I said, so what do you mean he really loved it? Meaning, when he was in the womb, she goes, "Oh, I just know because it just when I would eat it, I just felt good." So, and she ate this fast food every day during her pregnancy. And I'm looking at her. I mean, you you know, I, I've got all the grace in the world and all the understanding, but that kind of that kind of thing just makes me upset because you've got a little child that has a birth defect, and I'm not saying that that's what happened and that's why the birth defect happened. But I will tell you, there's all kinds of trans fats and there's all kinds of chemicals in those foods that we know can damage the body. And people just don't know what She literally didn't know. She just thought that made her, I think it made her happy <laughs> every day. I don't know if it made the baby happy, but I think it made her happy every day to eat that, and especially the chemicals that go along with it. So it's just amazing. We have to make better choices. As adults, and especially when kids are involved, because one of the greatest, I think one of the greatest callings in our life, one of the greatest responsibilities in our life is to raise our kids and to raise them in a good environment, to be leaders for them, to set an example for them. And it's one of those its one of those high callings in life. And it's a, it's a great responsibility and it's a great, there's great rewards with it, but there's a lot of responsibility and it's, it's a blessing without a shadow of a doubt. So, when our eating comes into play and how we live our lives and the kind of example that we're setting for our children, it's critical that we make the right ones. And, you know, in this study, moms, let me let me say this to you. Because you have a newborn child, doesn't mean and it, it doesn't mean that you sacrifice you for that child. It's not selfish for you to take time out to make healthy meals for yourself. It's not wrong for you to have someone come with a brand newborn and watch the baby an hour a day, five days a week, so you can go exercise. The baby is not going to fall apart. The baby is not going to be, you know, have a detachment syndrome and just completely come unglued. Taking that hour a day for yourself or hour and a half to go to the gym or to go walk around the block do whatever you got to do is vital. And I want to encourage you to take care of yourself. And dads, encourage the mom to do that. But She has to have that time because her instincts won't let her do it. Mom, your instinct will not let you do it. That brand-newborn baby, Mama Bear, is kicked into high gear. No one can take care of your child better than you can. But if you don't take care of you then you won't be there and have the health to take care of your child later. So it's not being selfish to go exercise and eat well. It's being selfless. We'll be right back.
5: To be a
7: part of the show, call 888-283-7272. That's 888-283-7272.
8: same news update the special counsel's inquiry into president biden's management of classified materials raising concerns about his cognitive acuity so much so that republican rep claudia tenney now wants the cabinet to explore the constitution's 25th amendment to remove president biden from office following that report that described him as a sympathetic well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory Senator Chris Murphy, a Democrat from Connecticut, dealing with backlash from saying that illegal immigrants are the people we care about most and referring to undocumented Americans. That comment went viral, people calling it an oxymoron, others saying this was Murphy admitting the Democratic Party's honest view on the issue. Corey Myers, USA News.
4: All right, crew, let's get her dug find out more, visit the show online, inshapenetwork.com. That's
1: 888 7272 You're listening to the best in healthy talk radio. If you're not into the social media world, you need to get in there. At the
2: website, you can always check us out. Well, again, we can empower your health and empower your life. Our email newsletter is there as well. The health prescription, you can sign up. It's absolutely free, but the information is just awesome. And I'm excited to be sending that out to each and every one of you. New email came in. David from Birmingham. He says, my wife and I go to bed every night around 11. She's never asleep before 1230 or 1, though. She has a hard time. She's very restless. Is there anything she can do to help her sleep? Well, if she lays down and she just kind of stares at the ceiling and can't. the body won't drift off to sleep, there's a couple of issues that's going on that could be. There's a, there's a couple of could-bes. One is her adrenal glands could be weak in function, and the adrenal glands are the body's stress glands. And the issue with that is normal for the body is that you, you go to sleep whatever time, 10 o'clock, and you don't eat, obviously, for that eight hours. And it's very hard on the body. A lot of people say it's no big deal. But not eating is, is stressful because what happens is it'll raise a stress hormone called cortisol. And that's a normal process. We normally have cortisol. Cortisol is what wakes us up in the morning. It's natural to to have your eyes snap open at 6 a.m. and to leap out of bed because you're hungry and you've got to go eat something. That's normal. And a lot of people, unfortunately, they wake up to the alarm clock and they're so exhausted and groggy and tired they can hardly get going. Well, that's that's a sign that you're definitely unhealthy. And that is a sign that the adrenals are not working very well. Because cortisol is what wakes us up in the morning. It's like a natural alarm clock. Now, the way it is, if you looked at a graph, cortisol is at the highest peak in the morning. And then it slowly declines throughout the day to where at about 8 p.m. at night, it's almost non-existent. When cortisol is very low, you should feel pretty tired because a certain amount of cortisol is normal for energy levels to be at a certain place. So when cortisol is very low, you should be pretty tired and, and pretty much can't keep your eyes open at nighttime. Well, when the adrenal glands get exhausted, it throws the cortisol. It's called our well our circadian rhythm, first of all, but it's our cortisol levels get thrown off. And with cortisol, it's, which are produced by the adrenal glands, it's a hormone usually it'll be low in the morning, which is the opposite. Normally, it's supposed to be high in the morning. It's called adrenal fatigue. And so when the cortisol is low, what do we all drink in the morning? Most people in America, they go to their favorite coffee place, and they get their cup of coffee. Well, what does coffee do? Coffee goes in, and it stimulates cortisol to raise. So when your cortisol is low, you drink coffee in the morning, it brings it back up to where it should be naturally. Then you feel better. So... a lot of people think it's the caffeine and the coffee, but it's really not. It's more the coffee bean and how much it pushes cortisol. So knowing that and understanding that, that's one of the issues. Because if your cortisol is low in the morning, it's going to be higher in the evening. It's going to cause an inverse relationship. And with that cortisol flipping like that, then you know, you've know you got an issue. So balancing out the adrenals, and that, that could be one of the things keeping her up at night. You know, Most people that have cortisol issues, when they lay down to go to sleep, the posture of lying down creates an issue with orthostatic hypotension, and it can raise heart rate a little bit, and and that's affected by the adrenals. So the one thing to do to balance that out, obviously, is to come off the coffee, lower stress levels, and use things like green tea instead. Green tea lowers uh, cortisol naturally. You can use green tea in the evenings. You would think the caffeine would keep you up, but it won't. Typically, unless you've got an autoimmune disease, if you've got autoimmune disease, don't use green tea uh, unless you know it's what pathway of the autoimmune is affected. So that's one thing cortisol could be. Now, it could be neurotransmitter. It depends on if she's depressed. If she's dealt with antidepressants, her serotonin levels might be off and that can be a major issue. So looking into that and the other issue here, can be in, her acetylcholine levels are low. That's one of the brain chemicals, neurotransmitters. So with depression, you've got serotonin, potentially dopamine, then you've got acetylcholine. Acetylcholine could be low, and that's low in a lot of people. Again, that's one of those things where if stress levels are high for her, then it could be a neurotransmitter instability and insufficiency. And depending on the neurotransmitters, there are certain things you can do for each one to affect those pathways. So that's one thing that I would look into all the way around with the neurotransmitters. I I've seen with people that are restless and can't sleep, they don't get very good sleep. That's it's a big challenge. So if you've got any more detail, want to give me a call on the show or email me again, that would be helpful. I hope that helps. Triple eight two eight three seventy two seventy two. That's triple eight two eight three seventy two seventy two. Let's go to the phones. Ron, welcome to the show.
1: Uh, good to talk with you. <clears throat>
11: Started about a year ago, mowing the lawn or climbing stairs. I started to get very short of breath. And it probably started earlier than that, but it's the best of my recollection. But in any event, I uh, went to the doctor, did some blood tests, uh, did a stress test that proved okay. Uh, blood tests showed anemia. Um, I've had uh, upper, lower GI, uh, fecal tests, no, uh, all negative. And now I'm set up for a, a CT scan for the lower abdomen. Now, to me, I don't have any blockages. I, I'm not expelling any blood. Um, so I'm just curious if perhaps maybe I ought to just go directly to a hematologist or something. I'm a 65-year-old white male.
2: Right. Well, a couple things. With with the anemia I mean, what, how, what's the extent they, they've treated it? Give me give me some of the things you've taken, what you've done.
11: Uh, about a week ago, I started taking a Vitron C. Other, other than that, uh, I haven't really done anything.
2: Okay. So with the anemia and the lack of oxygen, uh, talk to me a little bit about, have you done any supplements or anything like that?
11: I have not. Well, I, okay. I was taking the... I take vitamin on and off again, or uh fish pill fish
2: oil. you've taken fish oil with the gel caps, right
11: correct
2: okay well with with gel caps here's the thing with with anemia, that's not really gonna affect anything, so let's talk about this for a minute. Did they say there was any b twelve or is it all iron? I'm sorry. With the anemia, did they mention anything about B12 or iron, or is it just iron? Did they did they mention checking he, different levels, or he didn't say? He just said anemia. He not.
11: He just just said I'm uh, quite anemic, and of course now he's scheduled a lower uh, CT. Now I don't. I'm not sure the form that would take whether there's something down the nose to the lower abdomen or just some kind of a an X-ray. Yeah. But uh, since everything else has been negative in terms of bleeding. You know, my thought is, you know, do I need to look to a hematologist or?
2: Do I think that you need to dig a little bit deeper in your blood test? The hematologist will do that. So, yes. But ask the question just for your own kind of common sense kind of thing. Because sometimes, again, when you get into a specialty area, sometimes they get so specialized that they can't really bring it down to the level to where you can really understand things easily. So just ask them, say, here's three things you want to ask. You want to ask, do I have a B12 anemia, you know, like vitamin B12? Or do I have a iron deficiency anemia? It's probably iron, just so you know. But I would still want to know this. And then ask them, do I have a ferritin, do I have an iron storage problem? Meaning ferritin. And ferritin, they're going to check that. I mean, they, they, they just are. Um, so check and see if ferritin is low and see if you have an iron storage problem. So one of those three are probably going to be the kind of the main issues, and you'll find that. Now, there's a lot of dietary things you can do for anemia. So let me just keep you posted on that. And provided you don't have some kind of genetic disorder or, I mean, again, medicine, you always think worst is first, and it's true. You want to always rule out the worst case scenario so then when it's something mild, everybody's happy. But when you're when you're looking at it from kind of a perspective, uh, nat, more of a natural perspective, you want to just kind of, once they give you all that data, there's nothing wrong with going ahead and starting a good eating program. I'll tell you that. I mean, there's there's not, because they're going to tell you the same thing. So here are the kind of foods that will raise and, and help increase oxygen into the blood, which is what anemia is. Anemia is lack of oxygen in the red blood cells, which will increase that oxygen level and, and help bring those up, just from a food perspective. And again, whether it's B12 or iron doesn't matter. The food choices will still be the same. So, dark leafy greens—you want to make that a staple of your diet—and provided. Now, are you taking any any blood thinners for anything? Coumadin? Uh, just
11: 10 milligrams of Lisinopril for blood pressure. Okay. That's the yeah.
2: only other thing I take. All right, so that's good. So, yeah, dark leafy greens, that's a great way to go. And, and red meat. So don't let anybody tell you red meat's bad for you. It's it's really not unless you're you're doing – you always want to do as best you can, like grass-fed and the hormone-free, which you can get at the grocery stores now. You don't have to go to a specialty food store. They, they usually have that in your typical grocery stores. So getting those and the leaner cuts, obviously fillets and real lean ground beef. But that has a ton of nutrients in it, from conjugated linoleic, linoleic acid, zinc. It has just, I mean, just a ton of nutrients that are really good. And I would pick beef over chicken any day. I just would. But that's me personally, especially as a guy, because you're going to blow through uh, just your nutrient levels and your oxygen levels in the blood cells. You're going to blow through them, just being a guy. It just We do. We use it up more than women do. So something to think about. Those food groups will be very helpful. A lot of blackstrap molasses, that's a little old home remedy. That's phenomenal. A couple tablespoons of that a day. It tastes, I mean, you can develop a taste for it. It doesn't taste bad, but a couple tablespoons of that will raise those iron levels up and help increase oxygen in the blood. So several natural things you can do, but those dark leafy greens make it a part of almost every meal, and I think you'll see some great increase. You'll start to feel better, regardless, because you're putting good nutrients into the body. And for the fish oil, I think it's great always a great option ditch the gel caps though most gel caps are pretty much worthless and the, the uh, cod liver oil that's in a liquid form is going to give you the highest absorption rate and the most benefit thanks so much for the call
10: Yours free at MySolarBackup.com.
7: To be a part of the show, call 888-283-7272. That's 888-283-7272. We'll be back in a moment.
4: On call radio and watch on call TV at InShapeNetwork.com. Lines are open, AAA
1: 283 7272. That's AAA 283 7272. You're listening to the best in Healthy Talk radio, the show where your health really is your greatest wealth. Let's go to Maya. Hi, Maya.
2: Hi. How are you Welcome to the show. I'm living well. Talk to Thank me. What's you. going on?
9: Well, um, about two years ago, um, I I was, I guess I was diagnosed with PTSD or, or I, I don't know. Anyway, they had uh, put me on basically Lexapro, and mm-hmm. now, two years later, um, I think it was part of what made me gain weight and everything, and um, I'm trying to get back, working out, working with a nutritionist. Good. But... Um, The other thing I want to do is I'm trying to wean off, and I have started to wean off, but my doctor has told me that I am genetically wired with anxiety and that she doesn't think that I will ever be able to go away from it. And I just think that there's just ways that I could do it more naturally. I know with exercise and things like that, so um, I'm just kind of at a loss right
2: now. Yeah, what do you think about that? When somebody tells you forever, and you sound young, what what is your age?
9: I'm 38.
2: Yeah, so you're 38, and you're young as a spring chicken, and your doctor tells you this is going to be forever. You're just wired this way. It is what it is.
9: Yeah, I I don't want to have to take it forever.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I mean, so is this something you struggle with your whole life, or is this something that really has kicked into gear maybe in the last five years?
9: Um. You know, there was there was a, um, an accident, a car accident, and it was like a year after that that um, I've started struggling, and and that's when they said, okay, let's you know try the Lexapro, or the antidepressants, or whatever. And um, so now, you know, things are fine. I've been following up. I got the dosages right. You know, because it takes a while to do that. Right. Um, And, you know, went through the whole counseling and stuff. And so I I feel like I'm fine, you know. So she said it was okay to start weaning off and things like that. But she doesn't want me to go off of it completely.
2: What milligram are you taking?
9: Ten. Hmm. Ten milligrams of Lexapro a day.
2: That's that's a real low dose. You know that, right? That's really good. Um, Okay. Do you talk to me about your sleep?
9: Um, I'm the type of person that when I lay in bed, I'm asleep within about, I would say within 30 minutes or less.
2: And do you stay asleep or do you wake up at like 2 a.m.?
9: No, I usually stay asleep. I'm a pretty rock-hard sleeper.
2: Okay. If you didn't take the medicine, what would happen?
9: I was a good sleeper before I started taking the medicine, though.
2: You, so you,
9: my sleep never changed.
2: So you, okay, so you've, okay, so you've always been sleeping yeah. well that's never been I've, an issue no okay no. well with lexapro i mean it's affecting mm-hmm. serotonin so there's there's a couple things that can really help i mean i here's the thing it's a neurotransmitter so when you're taking the medications especially when you're down into the place that you are as far as a low dose mm-hmm. like that it's it's keeping the levels uh, stable and you can do one of two things you can stay on that or you can look to build it up with nutrition, which, I mean, our neurotransmitters are created by the foods that we eat, too. So we can actually affect our brain chemicals by the foods we eat, supplements we take, and, of course, stress levels and all that kind of thing play a role. I mean, our, we know that we're, we're being human beings, our, our mental status, meaning in our surroundings and, and all of that sort of thing, they affect us. They just do. So, But we can combat that with proper eating, supplementation, that can make a difference. Now, it doesn't mean come off your meds and start eating certain foods. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that to go ahead and get a good nutrition base while your physician is helping you wean down, that would be a good game plan. Because so you, you can eat these foods. It's not going to affect the the medication. But it's going to give you a better platform and a better foundation if they are in the process of weaning you down. That will be helpful. So let me show you some foods that affect serotonin levels in a positive way and that can help build them up. All right, And these are foods you'd want to include in your diet on a regular basis. But mushrooms, fish, chicken, spinach, red meat, and turkey. So I mean, those are pretty normal foods, you know, foods that are in the typical diet. So let me say them again: mushrooms, fish, and that can be any fish. Just don't fry it, <laughs> and don't do kind of the bottom feeders like catfish. Stay away from that. Stay away from uh, shellfish. You know, mostly the good, you know, salmon, tuna, mackerel, grouper. Those kind of those kind of fish. Uh, chicken, hormone free, antibiotic free. That's very important because those. Additives can affect hormone levels in a negative way and also can affect your neurotransmitters. Spinach, red meat, and turkey. Those are all really great. Now, supplements, here's here's the kicker with supplements. You want to be really careful with supplementation and taking SSRIs like Lexapro because they can interact. The big one that can interact with it is 5-HTP because it works along the same mechanism as what Lexapro does. Kind of interesting because... A lot of the research for the SSRIs was, were based around some of the supplementation. So uh, St. John's wort, same thing. So you want to be careful. But like B12, methylcobolamine, those are fine. Niacinamide, which is a version of vitamin B3. And pyridoxyl 5-phosphate, which is a version of B6. Those are all... Worth looking into. You know, you just you definitely want to let your doc know that you're looking into that. You know, because you just you just do. They need to know that. I, I'm not a big fan of just kind of going to the health store and winging it. I don't think it's smart, especially for taking medication. So, just something to look into. But I, I don't think you're stuck forever. I, I just I don't buy into that. Uh, I think that the car accident could have thrown you into some fear and triggered some reactions within the body that counseling can be helpful for us i think that's smart that you're you've done all that and you know i just think you need a good nutritional base look into following the anti-inflammatory diet that's in my book and just start looking over that and and maybe applying some of those principles to your life if you if you think you know that you want to do that It, it just would be helpful a good, strong, solid foundational base is going to carry you through pretty much any health challenge and allow you to navigate with it in a great way. All right, thanks so much for the call. Puts another hour in the charts. Go tell one person something you learned on this show, and together we can change the health of our friends, our families,
1: and our communities. You're listening to the Best in Healthy Talk Radio, where we're diagnosing hope, one person,
4: at time.
1: ever heard that our genes are the blueprint of how our own body works a simple longevity nutritional test can show us our own body blueprint of what we need nutritionally to live our best life every day knowing what exact foods that are custom designed for your body is absolutely vital to get your longevity nutritional test go to my longevity that's my longevity